need to warm feed with Lily, don't you? Yep, no one should be hungry for this Exactly, my darling. <laughs> See you, brother. Have a good night. Where are you crashing tonight, Dwayne? Um, just walk around. Just walk around. That's always safe to put your head? Yeah, you have it right. Don't forget your coffee. No. Nothing to do, nothing to clean. Or go home, or go home, make a mess or something, put something to clean. <laughs> I can come and make a mess. Okay, you can clean my, I reckon you do a better job in my house than I do. Unfortunately, we're on our 24-hour service, so we have to close the door. Hi, I'm Michelle Ransom-Hughes, and this is the final episode of Nobody Dies Here. We're in Zone 3, Aftercare, and it's almost closing time. The last client can come in at 9pm and we close at 9.30. And um, often we'll have some sleepy people that, you know, you can wake and, um, you know, they'll respond to you but then go straight back to sleep. And we get really concerned about their welfare once we close the doors at 9.30. Because if they're really sleepy in there, they're going to be sleepy outside and where, you know, they're pretty vulnerable then. So that's, it's, it, there's a lot of decision making around how we can safely exit people at the end of the night. We start to plan for it sort of an hour or so before the end of the shift. Um, I mean, it's a collaborative effort with all the staff discussing how the best way to approach some of the clients who are sleepy, what the best sort of um, action is to take with them. And sometimes we have to give a tiny little bit of naloxone, Narcan, um, to just make them a little bit more awake. How would you do that? How would you give that? You can give it in the nose or as an injection. I thought the nasal one was really strong. It is. We have different nasal ones. We don't have the pre-filled one. We make it ourselves. We have a nighttime. We have a nighttime, just a touch to uh, make you a little bit more safe to leave. But then clients can refuse that and that's their right to do so. Late shift's a bit more stressful because management aren't here, so the, the buck stops with the nursing charge to make sort of a lot of decisions in the evening. And that's also when you're more likely to have more overdoses because people have been using a few times through the day. There's more likely to be behavioural problems. Well, not always more likely, but you're sort of the only... There's a limited amount of people who are there helping make decisions with you. The security guard, Miami, tells me there's often a rush of people keen to get in before the injecting room closes. They rock up around now, just before 9pm. Tonight, there are six clients in the building. They're in zones two and three now. Some clients, like Dave, will have been through multiple times today. This is probably the last time you'll come around tonight. Oh, tonight, yes. I don't plan. I don't intend to be back through here tonight. And what's the plan for after you leave here? Oh, I'm just heading back to Carlton. Uh, like Carlton North, uh, family um, living arrangements. Yeah, essentially that's all. Uh, Organising the last bits of um, getting out of the area, having to move. Yeah, we've <laughs> got a lot of stuff going on. So. Yeah, foot? I would be taking the tram. Yeah. I usually, I mean, I should have a car. I'm telling you right now, I should have a car. <laughs> There's a situation there and everything. I've got so many court things happening. It's in the way of the car. <laughs> Straight back to Carlton. Maybe um, pack the truck a little bit to move this stuff up out of there. And 
from then, yeah, yeah get a night's sleep maybe, if I can get some sleep, which would be a problem. And then um, probably try to get around here tomorrow, like, uh, you know, um, 12, um, 12 to 3, somewhere in between those times. Have a little one and have a coffee. Immediately, sort of cycle. Where would you be if you weren't using here? Oh, look, it would be just, this, you know, I would simply, because I'm not using a car at the moment, I would literally be here, get on the street somewhere, maybe use the bathroom, and go home. And the same sort of deal, but with no time spending with anyone. No time to maybe have a meal. Yeah, it's a big difference having the place available. Things can appear to be a bit loose in here at night if you're an outsider, but MSER staff know exactly who's in, where they are, and what they're up to. It's now 9pm. The front door is locked, meaning no new clients tonight. In Zone 2, injecting, staff watch the clock while they supervise. They're hoping to get out of here by 9.30. It's anyone's guess how long it will take people to have their shot to recover and exit for the night. I brought that out to show someone how to use it. Because I was saying that to use that would be better than cotton wool. Do you want backup? Do you really think it's a good idea for me to <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to. Well, look, you know, I'm about as popular as you are. Hey, guys, just to let you know, we've closed. If you want to keep... Keep going. There's a tension here, allowing people their dignity by not rushing them through, but also there's a crew of workers keen to finish their duties and get home after an eight-hour shift. Yeah. Oh, he's left his bags here. At 9.15, there are now just four clients in the building. Here's Dwayne taking it pretty easy in Zone 3. I'm wondering about when this place closes tonight, where you're going to go next. Just walk around and go where I need to go. And I ain't got relatives got to go where he goes or... Hey. You're together. All, all friends, relations, you know, like, all related somewhere along the line. Yeah. Would you prefer if it stayed open longer here? Well, yeah. Like, the same way Wayne Nelson started a lot of these places, you know, years ago. A lot of rehabs, a lot of health centres. It'd be great, yeah. They can have, like, a hostel around here. Hire people like you name know, cousin there. A lot of the older followers. That's a great idea. Mm, I walk around everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd like to go to the um, Rainbow Festival in Bendigo one day. Nimbus in Darwin one day. Nimbin. I'd like to go up to Queensland. Uh, I'd like to go to Tasmania one day. Uh, I don't know, eh? <laughs> I'd like to go to Ireland one day, you know, Tipperary. Why? That's what I said. My grandfather was born in Ireland. Yeah, I've got a couple of relatives, you know, going back that way soon. If they wanna.
As the last of the night's clients move from injecting into Zone 3, recovery, workers in Zone 1 and 2 can now get stuck into clean-up and checks. It's an odd-shaped building and it's um, got lots of nooks and crannies, so part of the process is there's a whole um, checklist, I guess, of things that need to be done at the end of the day, things that need to be turned off, things that need to be switched off, doors that need to be shut, um, you know, oxygen bottles turned off. And, you know, so there's a process of doing that and all the staff do that. At 9.20pm, there are still four clients left. They're all in Zone 3 now, the last stop. I ask Aaron where he's going to go next, and he says he'll catch the 109 tram to Bulleen. Then he reaches into his backpack and pulls out this roughed-up piece of cardboard, folded up. He unfolds it and shows me what he's written there. Can you read this out for me? Yes, it says, please help in big letters. Um, I'm homeless. I'm homeless and sleeping on the streets. Please help by sparing, by sparing a few coins for a safe place to sleep tonight. Thank you and God bless. So where will you put this? In front of me. While I'm sitting down, out of the back of the sofa. It'll be closed though. This is called biting, something that I learned from Aaron tonight. And for a bunk in a backpacker's tonight, he needs to raise 38 bucks. Do you think you'll get it tonight? Maybe, maybe not. What happens if you don't get it? If I don't get it, I try and find something warm. Have you got anything warm with you? <laughs> just getting another, another jacket and another jumper as well. Is that all you've got? Your t-shirt and two jumpers. Yeah. That's not. Suddenly, Dwayne and his cousin, who've been hanging around for ages, are often out the door. A minute later. The MSO's back door is meant to be one way. It's totally against protocol for clients to come back through. This gets tricky when the front door's locked. They know we close at nine, so that's usually okay. Um, They may have left and want to come back in, though they feel like maybe they've accidentally thrown their drugs out or something like that. So there's a lot of that that goes on. A lot of them sleep rough and losing things is part of their day-to-day. So often clients will wake up after they've been asleep and think, oh, I must have thrown the other drugs I had out. So there's often a lot of confusion around that and that can get people pretty upset. In this case, the fella had just left his phone on charge in Zone 1. Not a problem.
Then, a suspended moment in aftercare. All the staff have gathered here, and they hover. The two remaining clients are in no hurry, putting on extra layers, gathering their things, having a chat. Around the room, the workers look utterly spent. 9.30pm, official closing time. I go outside via the back door. A short time later, a young woman on a mobility scooter and then Aaron seem almost to be expelled from the MSER. They head into the cold, still night. Once the service is closed, we have, uh, depending on how much time we have, a little um, get-together of the staff in the space. Uh, And we just go through some statistics for the day, how many clients came through, uh, if there were any incidences that not everyone may have been aware of. But the biggest part of it for me is um, reminding people of the amazing work they do in the space and how unique it is. And to make sure that staff have an opportunity to voice any concerns, any uneasiness that they might be taking home with them about something that happened during the day, um, a story that they've heard or something they've seen. Um, Because it doesn't matter who you are and where you've worked before, this is such a unique environment that when you work here, it can be confronting no matter what your background is. So I like to always make sure that everybody's calm and feeling okay about the day. If there has been a specific incident, to raise it and talk about it. Um, And this all happens in a 10-minute period. It's not like it's a, you know, massive, big, you know, soiree where... We all sit around and sing Kumbaya. It's a, it's a targeted sort of brief end of night sort of, you know, positive space that people can, yeah, can leave the building feeling okay about the day. Because, yeah, you know, we're dealing with um, hundreds of people a day in all different states of um, well-being, in all different comfort zones or not, Um yeah, and being able to respond appropriately to that. But it does take its toll. By, you know, by the end of the day, it is exhausting. <laughs> does he know what it is? Mm-hmm. Sorry, it's the flash drive. What, I said yeah. the USB. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for a lovely day. 177 visits today. Two overdoses, expertly managed. Um, does anyone have anything that they want to chat about? Or... 
Thanks, no, Sam, for doing a long good. shift. We appreciate you. Thanks for having me. You just look pretty. You're all... <laughs> hey, everyone in this room. Nah, thanks everybody. Grab your stuff and let's get out of here. Woo! Woo! Um, I've got often two phones, a pager, a duress alarm, keys, um, a second pager if, if you, it's after hours, and my lanyard. Yeah, so I, I jingle and I, um, I feel weighed down by them. And I do feel a bit free when I remove them all and uh, can take my hat off for the end, at the end of the shift. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, it is a lot of stuff. Uh, I buzz myself into the staff room, grab all my belongings. We clock out and then say adios. And then we all exit together with security taking us to our cars. Every night's different and um, most nights we peacefully leave the place and all is fine and, um, but, uh, you know, we have had times where we've had to call the police uh, to escort us to our car um, due to violence outside um, or some threat, threat outside, probably more than anything else. Why would people be violent outside? Because oh, they're drug affected or because they've got mental health issues or because they're fighting with other people, um, any of those type of issues. I mean, we, the reality is that we do get those sort of clients here too. And then for me, I park in the car park, so I just drive home, get out of here. While most of the staff are finding their way home, the nurse in charge is doing final checks. They conduct one last complete interior circuit with a security guard. Which checks every single little nook and cranny in the building. So we're checking, yeah, to make sure that, you know, the building is in fact empty, that all the doors are shut and locked. Um, uh, and, yeah, once that's done, setting the alarm... And uh, locking, going out and locking the front door. Yeah. <laughs> a smile comes across your face there. It does, yeah, because it's a good feeling and you sort of, you take it. well, I take a deep breath usually once I've done that because it's like, oh, yeah, the day's done and it's been a good one. As I step out from this um, joint, like, all right, I'm finished for the day, I straight away clicked to my mind that I have to go train. Doesn't matter I have a good day or bad day, that works for me, both of things. So once I set up my mind that I have to go training, 
once I'm out, my mind just turns straight into the training, which is really helpful. I don't think anything of the work happened at that day. And then from there, when I train, it makes myself very happy. And then shower, eat, sleep, back to work with a normal day. Uh, it feels quite homely to me. I've been working here since I was 19, just in the area. I live only a few streets away from the centre and this is sort of the community that I grew up in as well, though a bit further down the road. But um, no doubt when I get home, there is some debriefing that sometimes I need to do and I thank my, uh, my partner for that too. Outside of work, I try to not think about work firstly. You know, I do all my hobbies, skating, sports, nature stuff, go on long drives, all that sort of thing. Because the job inside, inside the centre, it's really hard. It's really, really hard. You see a lot, you're part of a lot. And, I mean, there's a lot of mechanisms here at the MSER that looks after stuff, but some of the stuff doesn't get resolved there and then. It might come back a week later, a month later, a year later. We might just stick with you. So many things can happen in a shift and I often find it's not till the next day that you start really processing it. You might have had people tell you four or five things that at the time you haven't been able to absorb um, or four or five different people tell you different things. All quite remarkable things um, that might have happened to them. I think we're getting a lot better at checking in with staff and doing debriefs and making sure people are okay and, you know, really um, encouraging people to have external supervision. You know, a lot of people think they don't need it until they go and then they think, oh, wow, you know, absolutely, it's amazing to go and speak to someone that's completely independent and just download everything, get a little bit of advice and feel so much better about it and be able to come back the next day. And it's okay, I think, for some people to, under, to struggle to understand what the injecting room is and is about. I've had so many conversations and I haven't brought it up. I just keep quiet when they ask me what I do for work. But if it comes out, I'm going to defend my clients and what's happening here for sure. You know, some people just ask why, like, why do you think it's okay to do your work or, you know, why, why is it okay for this sort of service to exist? If you kind of know, even half know what's going on here at the MSA and what, half know what it's about and what we're trying to do here, you have to be defending something about this place or the people group. I think you, you should have that feeling of obligation too because there's so much misconception outside of here. Maybe I had one once as well before working here. Maybe, okay. I'll, maybe yeah. In and around like people who use drugs and what that actually means. When I started working on this series in 2022, the EMSA was at the four-year mark of its trial and its future was truly uncertain. Just over a year later... 
The landscape of injecting drug use in Australia has changed in some significant ways. Punishments for people found to be in possession of small amounts of some drugs, including heroin, have been relaxed in several states. This isn't the case in Victoria, which is Australia's heroin capital. But the Victorian government has added some opioid replacement therapies, things like methadone and buvidal, to the pharmaceutical benefits scheme. This means that in theory, those things can be more broadly prescribed and cheaply dispensed. It remains to be seen how this will work in practice. And after the release of the Ryan Review into the MSIR trial, legislation was passed in the Victorian Parliament in May this year that the medically supervised injecting room in North Richmond will operate permanently. This was a hard-won victory for proponents of the room, and it must be deeply reassuring for those clients I spoke to who feared its closure. Just a few kilometres away from the MSIR in Melbourne's city centre, people are injecting drugs and they're dying from overdose in laneways and in toilets in increasing numbers. The site for a promised second injecting room is the subject of a protracted and bitter debate. I went back to the MSIR on a recent Wednesday afternoon. Outside the front door, there was a lineup, seven or eight harried looking people waiting to access the room. So, to this, no change. There's more demand for the injecting room than can be handled by the size of the service. Inside, I learned there have been some changes. Some of the healthcare workers you heard in the series have moved on. Paul, one of the nurses, has moved to a role at North Richmond Community Health, where, amongst other things, he acts as a liaison for MSER clients. Amri has resigned his post as head of security. I'm told he's opened a cafe with his family. And to the surprise of many staff, the EMSO's founding medical director, Dr Nico Clark, is leaving at the end of August. Last year, I asked Nico what drove him to keep working. And as well as the vision for a permanent EMSO in North Richmond, mission accomplished, there was another piece to his response. So many people have come to this service who haven't trusted other services and they've told us their stories and I want those stories uh, and what they tell us about our society. I'd like that message to come out. Nobody Dies Here was recorded on Wurundjeri land and produced on Turrbal Yagara country. It's a proudly independent production of Alongside Radio. I'm incredibly grateful to the following people who were so generous in interview. John, Angela, Rachel, Adrian, Karen, Christina, Beatty, Elsa, Sammy, Aaron, Philip and Dwayne. And to Paul, Simon, Lisa, Tess, Kerry, Amri, Jesse, Carmel, Dylan, Jen and Nico and to all of you who allowed me to record in your space. Thanks to my co-hosts, Christina, Pudgy and Karen. It was great to have you involved. At the MSIR, special thanks to Dr Nico, the amazingly dedicated Shelley Cogger, to Simon Brisbane, Donna and Lisa, Fiona, Zoe, Sarah and all the staff who welcomed me and supported the work. Thanks also to James Fitzpatrick. 
full music credits can be found in the show notes. But special thanks to Jen Anderson, Daniel Barbiero and Daniel Birch. Big thanks to John Chia and Daniel Simo. To my cheer squad, Lucy Osborne, Sophie Ransom, Dylan Ransom-Hughes, Jay Kranz, Adele Pickvance, Kim Lester and Lee Redfern, thank you. Without the trust of Jen Anderson, this show wouldn't have come about. Thank you, Jen, for introducing me to your world. The series is dedicated to the EMSER community and the memory of those people everywhere who've been lost to overdose. And thank you for listening.